Dishonored is a game that I like and you like and a lot of people like a lot. Yep. And I figured, why not do some Dishonored lore? Heck yeah, I mean, it, it's it's actually a, a, an extraordinary world they've built around this game. And so today I was thinking we were going to do a general overview of Dishonored 1. Mm-hmm. Just to get familiar with the game. And the reason Richie is not here is because he never played it. And he's not me, so he's like, I don't think I should be on a podcast where I haven't played a game. <laughs> so this is gotcha. this is for him, basically. See, that's the reason he never played the game. He's trying to sabotage the podcast about Dishonored. Oh my god, he's been sabotaging this podcast since before we met. Yeah, he saw Dishonored. He's like, I'd like to play that, but I know we're going to do a podcast on that one day. And I'm going to sabotage. <laughs> it's like in five years, a Russian and I will do a podcast it's about this. So I better not play it. Richie's like the oracular order. He can see the future. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, in kind of a a nutshell, uh, the the main character whom we play is uh, Corvo Atano. And at the very beginning of the game, he holds a very high position in the government called the Royal Protector, which... The main function is to be the bodyguard to the to the monarch of the of the nation where all this takes place, and the nation where all this takes place is called the Empire of the Isles, and it consists of uh, four islands uh, whose names escape me off the top of my head, but I think they're. Uh... I actually have the map open. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's Tivia, Marley, Crystal, and Serkanos. And the capital city of Dunwald is on Crystal. Yes, uh, and that's where the whole game basically takes place. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, when the game starts, Corvo is just returning home from a diplomatic errand. He's been gone for two months. Um, the Empress, uh, Jessamine Caldwin, has sent him to try to enlist other nations' help in dealing with a rat plague. It's called the Rat Plague that has devastated the Empire. And in a nutshell, uh, the Rat Plague happened very recently. A, a new species of rat somehow fi- found its way onto the island of Grim- you know, the main island where the capital is. And. Uh, it is. It's killed many people, and it, it's spread by this new species of rat called the bull rat. And when you get the plague, you at first you start out with flu-like symptoms. You cough, uh, but then it progresses. You start to bleed from the eyes. You start to lose uh, cognitive capacity, and eventually you essentially devolve into this uh, zombie-type creature. You know, think Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's that's the rat plague in a nutshell, and, and it's really spread. Uh, and it's really devastated the Empire, and so she sent Corvo to enlist other nations' help in dealing with it. Did it work? It did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you, re- when you return, you're actually bearing, uh, you're bearing very bad news. The other nations, far from deciding to help, have instead decided to blockade the main island until either everybody dies or the rat plague is cured. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, so instead of getting help, you know, the Empire... The Empire, or at least the main island, is effectively cut off from all outside sources of help, for the most part. So, do you think uh, Corvo was not a very good negotiator? Corvo seems like a better fighter than a negotiator to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they should have sent someone else to talk it out. <laughs> yeah, they, maybe they should have sent, uh, you know, Hiram Burroughs or somebody. Yeah. At least, At least he knows how to sort of move and shake in politics, as we see later. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, no. So, and when you come by, you've got someone with you uh, named Jeff Kernow, and he's kind of a high-ranking officer in the City Watch, which is sort of the police force of the capital city. 
Uh, we we see a lot of them, obviously, throughout the game, or we kill a lot of them throughout the game, <laughs> yeah. or put them to sleep. You know, whichever path you decide to choose. Sleep, quote unquote. Yeah, choke <laughs> choke them out, shoot them with darts, or yeah. stab them, slit their throats, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But yeah, no. So so when you arrive, you're, you're arriving through the water dock, which is a neat system. You know, where they can let the water in and lift your boat way up to the dock, and you can come out and. You know, you know, you come out and you make your way to the Empress and everyone sort of bows to you and, and greets you very respectfully because the Royal Protector is, you know, it's a very high position in the government. Uh, it's not just a bodyguard. It's a court position. So let me ask you, so what is a Royal Protector while we're on the topic? Yeah, the uh, the Royal Protector um, was a position that I think the, the Parliament of the Empire devised after a particular emperor, I forget which one, was subjected to many assassination attempts. It might have been during the war in which the Empire was trying to annex the island of Morley, you know, to the Empire. Um, and so the Emperor suffered so many attempts on his life that uh, your Parliament decided, well, from now on, all of the monarchs are going to be able to select someone, handpick to be their personal bodyguard, bodyguard and have other, you know, responsibilities of court. Uh, so it's it's basically a cabinet level position, but your primary function is to protect the monarch. We find out later she was in love with Corvo, and they were, uh, you know, having an affair. Um, it's really curious why she sent Corvo away to, uh, you know, for this diplomatic mission when she probably had more qualified officials to do that. Yeah, well, as uh, as you're saying, when we actually when Corvo comes back from his trip, right, to come see the Empress and deliver the bad news, uh, yeah. you talk to people along the way. And, you know, they tell you, like, welcome back, go see the Empress. And one of the people is the spy master. Yep. And he's like, I remember talking to him and he's like, oh, Corvo, you're back. How peculiar you're back two days early. Hmm. And you come bearing bad news. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if I convinced the Empress to send you out for a strange reason. Hmm. It's like, okay, bro, yeah, you're totally inconspicuous. Oh, yeah. Well, as we find out later, this was, you know, part of his yeah. machinations. <laughs> but he's like, he's really bad at this whole, like, low-key thing. It's like, you can tell right away, like, okay, you're the bad guy, aren't you? Yeah, it's like one of those old uh, one of those old movies in the 50s where the bad guy's really conspicuous and sort of like, hmm, my evil plan is succeeding. <laughs> and the hero's like right over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or it's like in, in South Park, the episode about the city walk, uh, you know, a competing uh, Chinese re restaurant moves in. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the guy and the guy who owns city walk is is trying to trick, the, you know, the new guy. And, you know, five feet away from him, he stands there and laughs all maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. You cut out again. <laughs> oh, no. Richard, what did you do? Non più dry farfalon amoroso, notte giorno di torno girano, delle belle torbando a riposo. So we had some technical difficulties. <laughs> Minor ones. <laughs> Minor ones. Our best guess is that um, the spy master was trying to get to Nick for talking crap. You know, we, we were exposing his evil schemes to take <laughs> yeah. over the government. and Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually but, he assassinates people who do that, but he decided to interfere with our audio instead. So. Yeah. Because he knows that the 21st century person is a little different. Like, internet is very important to them. So That's he's right. messing with that aspect, yeah. It's like psychological warfare. 
Uh, absolutely, and of course he's a he's a master of that sort of thing. So <laughs> yeah, he's a spy master. So. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Literally. Um, yeah. The spy master is basically the head of intelligence and espionage, kind of like the director of central intelligence in the U.S. government, sort of. Same basic office. He oversees the spies and counterintelligence and stuff like that. Uh, he's kind of a jerk, as we'll find out later. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, yeah, you said that uh, the spy master is like the head of the CIA. Basically, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I never thought of it that way. Oh. Or Mossad, or in, you pick any intelligence mm-hmm. agency. That's basically what he awesome. does. Yeah. And yeah, also someone else we meet as we uh, walk to talk to Jasmine is Anton Sokolov. Yes, he's the he's he's sort of a, a universal genius, kind of like uh, Da Vinci. You know, kind of like me. Exactly, a brilliant <laughs> strategist. Um, his official title is Royal Physician, but he's also the head of the Academy of Natural Philosophy, which yeah, I think natural philosophy is basically science. Uh, biological science, uh, maybe in kind of overlapping with medicine, and Sokolov is the head of that. And Sokolov, basically, if, if if anything was invented, it was invented by either Sokolov or Piero, whom we'll meet later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he invented lo- a lot of the security devices and military apparatuses, and he developed one of two serums to counteract the rat plague. Uh, and and that's basically the serum that we use to heal ourselves when we're hurt in the game too. It, it serves an in-game purpose as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's sort of this universal genius who's responsible for most of the things that require any sort of intellectual <laughs> gift at yeah. all in the game. And he's also like a super talented painter. That's right. That's how he. That's how he initially got uh, renowned. Was that he would paint nobles and prominent people, and so that's how he got into those circles and built his reputation from there. So. Awesome. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but he's also involved in the whale oiling somehow. Oh, well, yeah, he, uh, not the least of his accomplishments, he invented a a way to sort of harness oil extracted from whales to produce electricity. Mm -hmm. Um, These little, these little, these highly explosive and very unstable whale oil batteries of varying sizes that you can, that power the security devices and power most of everything. Uh, He invented those. And, their advantages are you can you can plug them in and take them out kind of like batteries, but they're just highly unstable and you can kill people with them. You know, they work like a grenade almost because they're so unstable. Oh, it reminds me. It's like those Samsung tablets, right? That would explode in your pocket. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> that's one selling point for Apple, I guess. <laughs> so, Piero is like Apple. <laughs> exactly. Go with Piero. <laughs> Um, and, oh, and, uh, he was painting a portrait of someone in the beginning. I think it was, uh, the, uh, high overseer of the Abbey of the Everman. Uh, that's who he was painting. And you can actually alter that picture a little bit. There's like a little bottle of cider there in the portrait. And if you take that away, the bottle of cider won't be there in the finished painting later on. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I learned that on the wiki last night during research. Uh, you can, uh. I think in the in the in the in the like official canon you don't do that, but in the game you can do that. Uh, oh, that is really cute. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, no, I, it's pretty cool. These little things, you know. Uh, yeah, he's painting uh, yeah, the uh, Thaddeus. Uh, what's his name? Thaddeus Campbell, I think, mm-hmm. is his name. Is the 
And just a quick introduction to the Abbey of the Everyman. They're the, the official state religion. They don't worship any particular god. Their whole thing is they believe the universe is full of evil spirits who want to hurt us, and we're supposed to live our lives in a way to combat that influence. And chief among those evil spirits is the outsider, whom we'll meet later on. Yeah. And I think their big thing is that there are these, like, seven principles. Right, the the, the seven strictures, uh, things like the... Uh, Things like idle hands, the erring mind, uh, they, they basically correspond to the seven deadly sins that we have, you know, uh -huh. in real life. Um, and they're all sort of oriented around making sure that you're not subject to influence from, you know, occult forces or bad spirits or especially the outsider mm -hmm. who's, whom they seem, see as kind of the devil figure. Yeah. Uh, they're all about opposing him and his followers and they'll actually go and, you know, murder his followers wherever they find them. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, um, <laughs> Speaking of that, they, they, I guess we'll get into it later, but I just think it's it's really cool how they have this, like, accordion to combat the forces of the outsider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, the um, Later in the game, you get these supernatural powers, and the outsider is the source of yours and pretty much everybody else's magical powers in yeah. the game. And so they, they, devised, they figured out that a certain harmonic frequency can kind of disrupt your connection with the void, which is where the outsider lives, and it shuts down your powers. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like this music box. They, they actually turn a handle and it produces this sound that interferes. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's a handle. So do you think they have like their own band? Abbey of the Everyman would make a cool name for a band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or just the overseers, because the overseers are kind of the clerics of that's this group. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Abbey and the overseers. I don't know. <laughs> like Josie and the Pussycats. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. The only, the only thing we know how to play is this big clunky music box. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? I think there's a market to make other instruments that would have the same effect. Yeah. Like an electric guitar, a flute, like a portable <laughs> piano. Can you imagine the overseers in their ugly mask running around playing these flutes trying to interfere with your powers? Yeah. It's like you guys don't look very hardcore right now. Now I'm thinking of this of this you know this Pied Piper type figure. <laughs> exactly. Well, you control the rats and you combat the uh, outsider at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get the rats out of the city. You combat the outsider. It's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. And that is how they cure the rat plague. They just you know play the flute and <laughs> all the rats you know march to the death into the ocean. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! <laughs> well, you know, so that uh, the high overseer is yes. the head of the. Just to fill in the context, the high overseer is the head of the Abbey of the Everyman. Um, or, or, well, it's really got two sides to it: the oracular order and the overseers. The high overseer is the head of the overseers and kind of the public face, and the oracular order is kind of co-equal. And they receive prophecies from an unnamed source and interpret them. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a good idea. You know, you find out more about them in Dishonored 2, but yeah. they basically receive prophecies and you're not sure where they receive them from and interpret them. And their word is basically gospel to anyone in the Abbey. Yeah. So so anyway, sorry, I just wanted to make sure that we laid the context for that. And yeah, however, Seer Campbell's a total hypocrite. He he rose to his position through blackmail and corruption and he leaves it similarly unceremoniously. <laughs> yeah. We also meet Emily. She really looks up to Corvo. She Yeah. 
she doesn't realize he actually is her father, but she looks at him as kind of a father figure, even though she doesn't know he's her father. And she asks you to play hide-and-seek. And this is where you learn kind of the stealth mechanics of the game, how to hide behind things and how to walk quietly and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you can play hide-and-go-seek with her, and if she doesn't find you within a certain period of time, it, it's, a, it's actually a side quest. And if she doesn't find you within a certain time, then you succeed. And then she tells you, you know, go on and meet with my mother. She wants to see you. I'll go do whatever I'm going to do. Um, but it, it's a fun little way to kind of learn how to sneak around. So yeah, it's cool. it was it was really cute. I thought, yeah. Hey, the first time I played through the game, she found me and I failed. But the second time, I, I managed to succeed. So. <laughs> how did you fail? She doesn't look very hard, though. She does not look very hard at all. But I, it was the I was so incompetent at this game at first that even you know an eight year old child could find me. <laughs> did you like try to hide by putting a lampshade on your head and like standing there? <laughs> something like that it was about as effective as that what I did stand out in plain sight it's like here I'm gonna blend into this wall yeah <laughs> okay and then we finally meet Jasmine that's right and uh, she's very glad to see Corvo you can tell right away that they're you know lovers but you don't officially I guess find that out until later but it's obvious yeah and then you uh, you hand her the document bearing the news that the other nations have decided to you know blockade the island until either everyone is dead or the rat plague is cured, uh, because they don't want to uh, you know surprise surprise they're acting in their own interests and not willing to lend a hand to help. You yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to keep you guys there so the rat plague doesn't spread to us, and so you better either deal with it or you're all going to die. <laughs> Such helpful neighbors. And then, and so she says, this is bad. They're stating the obvious. This is bad, Corvo. Yeah. This is bad. <laughs> and Corvo's like, oh, I guess I'm not a very good negotiator because I thought this was good news. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Priceline negotiator, he ain't. <laughs> and so she gets this bad news. And then uh, I think everybody who was there, she sends everybody away. Hiram Burroughs is there, the spy master, but she sends him away to talk to Corvo in private. Yeah. Uh, it's like everybody sort of leaves and she's like, where is everyone? And yeah. you're like, hmm. So these mysterious people in these gas masks and these leather outfits show up. And, you know, you fight off the first couple of them with your knife. You don't have any powers yet. So you have to fight them off with your blade and your pistol, which, you know, you can do if you're you know, at all paying attention to the control mechanics. Um, then once you fight them off, you talk, to the, you talk to Jessamine for a little bit. And then all of a sudden you find yourself floating in midair and everything kind of turns green. And then this... Uh, this other mysterious figure shows up, but you can kind of tell he's the leader of this band of assassins. Um, Jessamine tries to sort of get him away from you. He smacks her, stabs her, and then you hear Emily say, Mommy! But she's there. Aww. She's not supposed to be there, yeah. but she's, she's there and she's watching what's happening. And then they kidnap Emily and they sort of vanish into thin air. So you're like, oh, these people are supernatural. They have special powers. They can vanish and reappear. Yeah. And they can telekinetically lift me up off the ground so I can't defend the Empress. And then you're like, also, they killed my girlfriend. <laughs> they killed my girlfriend, yeah. And then, you know, two seconds later, the spy master and some other people arrive, and they think that Corvo killed the Empress, and he's immediately arrested. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the high overseer that's like, oh, look, Corvo killed the Empress. And then the spy master's like, yes, yep. it was Corvo. Oh. <laughs> it was Corvo all along, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Richard trying to sabotage the Empire. But. Yeah. <laughs> And then you see Richard in a corner being like, yes, yes, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so Corvo's immediately taken to this place called Culver's Prison, where he's uh, interrogated and, well, not interrogated, he's tortured for six months. Uh, basically, you know, the spy master, the overseer, and I think one other person, I forget who, are there in the room 
And they are basically saying, yeah, we're the ones who had Jessamine killed, and we want you to sign a false confession so that when we execute you, it seems legitimate. And Corvo's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure going to do that. Uh. <laughs> Corvo's like, no, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have a question about that. Why couldn't they just fake his signature? Uh, you know, I, I think that's what they ultimately... I think they ultimately decide to just abandon the idea. I don't know why they don't decide to just fake his signature, because there are other instances in the game where somebody's signature is fake. Um, or forged. Um, like when Hiram Burroughs takes over the government later, a lot of documents bear his signature. They're forged in the DLC. You can get some forged, you know, eviction documents with his signature. So I don't know why they don't do that. Um, but they just decide that okay, the execution's almost here. Corvo hasn't signed this thing, so we're just going to roll with it and blame yeah. Corvo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the Empress's assassination, uh, when in fact they're the ones who hired yeah. the assassins to come and of course the, the the head assassin is a very very important character as we'll find out later but so basically the the spy master the high overseer got together and said we want to kill the empress and they hired the assassins to do that so that's what happened and they want and corvo is a very convenient fall guy and as it turns out corvo got back two days earlier than he was supposed to from his diplomatic mission uh, but it worked out conveniently for them because now they have a fall guy for the assassination whereas they wouldn't have if corvo had not come back so yeah so it worked out for them. <laughs> yeah, it was a everything worked out just perfectly. And it's, it's so as you're being tortured, they're taunting you and like you were in the wrong place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And so they this yeah. big beastly guy is torturing you, and they eventually give up and they send you back to your cell. It's like two days before the execution, mm-hmm. and the guard who puts your back puts you back in your cell says something weird. He, he leaves you some food. And he says, uh, Corvo, you should eat this. It's from a friend. And then he leaves. And then it, the tray, instead of having food on it, it has like basically a key to get out of the cell, and it has a weapon. And it's got a note saying, basically, you know, hey, Corvo, we know who you are. We're friends. We're trying to bust you out of here. Uh, good luck. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Good luck to you, sir. Here's a key and a knife. <laughs> yep. So, you know, assuming you managed to, you know, fight your way out of this maximum security prison with only a knife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meet us at this certain place uh, basically the entrance to the sewers you get, make your way to the entrance to the sewers and make your way through there and we'll tell you what to do <laughs> you know? and so that's what you do um, so you can start you can decide whether you want to start you know, choking people out or killing people yeah. or whatever but your mission at that point is just to escape from the prison and make your way to the sewers mm-hmm. um, yeah in the sewers I really liked how they introduced the concept of like the rats Yep. Where uh, when you walk in the sewers, there's a body in front of you, and then the rats just rush toward the body and devour it, and you're like, okay, I better stay away from the rats, and I could use bodies to distract them. Got it. Yep. That's basically what it teaches you. And then, because uh, the rats will, if, if there's a large enough swarm, they'll attack you, and they'll, they'll eat away your health pretty quick. Oh, yeah. And so you, you have to either fight them off, or they don't usually climb up on the platforms after you, they stay on the ground. Um, and actually, if you choke people out and just leave them on the ground, there's a chance the rats will come devour them and they'll die, even though you didn't mean to kill them, you know. So you have to leave them on, like, an elevated position so that the rats can't get to them, if you really don't want them to die, <laughs> yeah, you know. that's true. So those rats are, of course, the rats are the source of the plague, and they're really big, fat, mean, nasty oh, rats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're so creepy. Oh, I know. And the... the of course, one of your powers eventually is to summon rats to kill your enemies. So that's kind of neat to watch your enemies get eaten alive by rats. <laughs> that uh, is true. It's like revenge. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, you're escaping from Coleridge, the infamous Coleridge prison. Uh, mm-hmm. 
It's where you're about to be executed for a murder you did not commit. You'll probably commit many other murders, but you didn't commit that. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. It's like, I'm a good man. I killed everyone else in the kingdom, but I did not kill Jasmine. <laughs> I shot, I, you know, I killed the spy master, but I did not kill the empress. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, oh, I should mention, uh, basically, after you're arrested, it's, you know, six months later, you're getting tortured and yeah. they tell you all this stuff. Yeah. So it's six months past. And in, mm-hmm. in the intervening time, uh, Hiram Burroughs, the spy master, has become the Lord Regent, which I researched this because I think you asked me earlier what the Lord Regent was. And it basically, uh, parliament, there is a parliament in this empire. And it's, they, they do have some authority. And when the, like, let's say the, the acting monarch dies. It's a dynastic monarchy, so it's, you know, from one generation to the next. So Emily is the next rightful empress because her mother is dead, but she's too young to assume power at this point. So in that situation, Parliament has the authority to appoint a temporary sovereign called the Lord Regent. Ah. And, and uh, the spymaster has connections in Parliament. Um, the, the way the, the voting system in Parliament works is really weird. It's more like uh, shareholder voting in the in a, in a corporation, basically the the more money a single person has and the more connections a single person has, the more votes in parliament that person gets. So one person can control huge blocks of voting power in parliament. And um, Hiram Burroughs, the Lord Regent, has enough uh, support in parliament so that he basically controls a supermajority. And so it was easy for him to get them to vote him to be Lord Regent. I see. And so now he's in charge. And uh, he has uh, imposed martial law, imposed all all these sorts of curfews and other draconian measures to try to contain the plague. And so it's right. basically a corrupt, tyrannical monarchy at this point when you wake up and make your way out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's good times. And he's sort of the he's sort of the bogeyman that you're fighting against through most of the game. Like basically, your point is to get to him throughout the game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everything you do, like every mission is designed to take out one of his key political allies to make him vulnerable, and then ultimately you're going to go after him. Yeah. yeah. So as you escape the sewers, you meet Samuel. Yes, he, he's all right. Um, he's sort of this, uh, you know, lovable curmudgeon. Um, his function in the game is to pilot, you know, this boat and take you where you need to go, you know, from one mission to the next. Um, and he always has something witty and kind of, you know, Congenial to say, kind of lovable old guy. Yeah, um, yeah, he who's, is. who's kind of the, um, you know, how in Star Wars, you know, you have R two D two and C three PO. They're kind of the lowliest citizens, and yet you see a lot of stuff from from their perspective. Yeah, uh, Samuel kind of gives you that, like a common person's perspective on everything that's happening. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, he, he and Samuel meets you when you make your way through the sewers, and he takes you back to the Hounds Pit Pub. Which is where you find out that the people who busted you out are these supposed loyalists to you know the true monarchy, you know yeah. the Caldwin line, um, and they are trying. They need Corvo's help to as well. Yeah, their leader is a guy named Admiral Havelock, and their 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 ostensible purpose is to get rid of the Lord Regent and put Emily on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord Regent has Emily, so they need to do two things. They need to weaken the Lord Regent's political power, and they need to rescue Emily. And they need Corvo for that, because he's really good at going in and killing people, apparently. So. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, you hear, uh, you listen to one of Havelock's recordings shortly after you arrive, and he's like, uh, yeah, we broke Corvo out because we needed somebody to inject lethal force. Ah, never mind. We need somebody to kill the bastards. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. why we <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and so that's why they got you out. Um, and you're there, and they let you get some rest and send you on your first of several missions, uh, missions rather. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, it's it's that's how, you, in the Pounds Pit is kind of the central hub. Uh, it's you yeah. know where everybody kind of meets up. It's where you go it's to like rest. Like your shrine. Exactly, it's like <laughs> Firelink Shrine or the Hunter's Dream, basically. Yeah. Um, and you get all kinds of missions and. You know, when you first meet Admiral Havelock, I liked him because every time you see him, he's drinking because he owns the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so every time you see him, he's got a beer in his hand or he's got, you know, a glass of whiskey. So I'm like, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> for now. For now. Yeah, not not later, but for now we like him. Yeah. And an interesting thing happens on your first night there. Yes. Oh, yes. So the, when you, uh, you know, meet everybody and you explore around and you... They tell you to go to sleep and, you know, you go to your quarters and you go to sleep. Um, you wake up and you're in this strange place where the laws of physics don't seem to apply. Everything is kind of, it's like there's, it's like it's nighttime everywhere. Mm-hmm. You've got these random things floating around. You've got these sort of floating little tiny islands you can jump from one to the next. It's just a really weird place where, like, the laws of physics don't seem to apply. And you have to kind of make your way from one point to the next but there you meet a very important character called the outsider who we mentioned before is kind of the devil figure in the abbey of the everyman and he introduces himself as the outsider um how he came to acquire (laughs) that moniker i don't know (laughs) he basically says that you know very important events are happening and you will play a pivotal role i've taken an interest in you and because of that i'm going to give you my mark and then your hand burns for a second and this weird sort of symbol appears on your left hand and that's the mark of the outsider. And whoever bears the mark of the outsider has super, certain supernatural powers. And the one you start out with is called Blink, a very useful spell that lets you kind of blink from one place to another in a very short period of time. Uh, it, it lets you, you know, go to higher elevations and lets you sneak around and do all sorts of things. It's probably the spell you'll use most often as you navigate. And he says if you want other powers, you have to find these runes that also bear his mark and that are scattered about you know, the world. And basically those are ability points functionally. And you find those and you can spend them to acquire new powers and you can acquire powers to kill or powers to sneak around. Um, like to possess, you know, you can possess rats and go through small spaces. You can possess fish and swim in the water and go through small spaces, or you can summon a horde of rats to devour your enemies, or you can, you know, produce a gust of wind that will knock your enemies into walls and kill them and break through doors. All yeah. sorts of things you can do. And I actually really like the whole um, power system because it was very simple. <laughs> it's- it's very yeah. straightforward. It's like you find a rune, you put it into a power, you have the power, it's described, there's not too many powers, and it, they're clearly like separated. Like, you can use this power for like a stealth walkthrough, you can use this power for walk for a chaos walkthrough. It wasn't complicated, I appreciated that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, they, they fall into one of two groups, killing and sneaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, I gravitate towards killing with a little bit of sneaking. <laughs> My favorite ones are blink and uh, stop time, or whatever it's called. Stop time is stop time is at the middle. It's it's great for both. You can kill people yeah. when time is stopped, or you can just sneak past them. So yeah. it's like for either a chaos or a low chaos playthrough, which I guess we should explain at some point what that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for for either type, uh, stop time is going to be great. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, in in Dishonor two, to skip way forward, I don't know that I could have beaten the final boss without stop time. Because. Oh. oh, you're such a casual. It's <laughs> I mean, easy. You just got to sneak around carefully. Yep. And I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't as good at games back then either, so I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I could probably do it, but the first time I played through Dishonored 2 without that particular spell, I don't know that I could have beaten Delilah, which is probably for another podcast because she doesn't show up till later. But Yeah. 
Betty, so it's a very useful spell for, for whatever you're trying to do, whether it's kill everybody or sneak around. But yeah, no, the spells are great, and it's very easy to sort of figure out which ones to buy. And you can also use runes to sort of augment your health and your to jump higher and to have more health and stuff like mm-hmm. that too. So yeah. and there's also the bone charms. Yes, the bone charm. The, the, the bone charms are kind of like the rings in Dark Souls. You can equip a certain number, mm-hmm. and they give you like these little bonuses. Like they'll give you like a little more health, or they'll make it so that if you like eat white rats, it will replenish your magic. Um. Which I think I think they might call the mana is what they call it in the game, but it's basically it's MP, your magic points. You, the, you use a spell and it consumes a certain amount of mana. Um, oh, I don't even remember what they call it. Oh, I only remember that, um, and this I found really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. At your base, uh, you meet Pierrot, who's basically like the um, I don't know, like the rival, I guess, or something to Anton Sokolov. Where that's oh, that's right. Yes, there's a. Each one has developed a competing serum to combat yeah. the rat plague. Yeah. And um, Sokolov's is red and Piero's is blue. Um, for for our purposes, Sokolov's restores health, whereas Piero's restores the mana that you use to cast spells. Um, but yeah, they're, they're professional rivals, and Sokolov has become the far more prominent and successful of the two. And that has left Piero very embittered, because he sees Sokolov as kind of a fraud who's built everything on Piero's inherently superior ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's also pretty uh, like funny how Piero throws shades at Sokolov's elixir, where he's like, well, my concoction, like, it replenishes your mind, but Sokolov, it's just the body, like, as if we're animals or something. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, Sokolov's, by focusing on the, you know, the animal body, yeah. is inferior to mind, which exactly. <laughs> has properties not altogether understood. Yeah. That invigorate the mind. <laughs> he doesn't even understand why his own concoction functions the way it does. But yeah, they're, they're rivals. But later on, they... You can get them to kind of work together if you do the right thing. They become BFFs. It's like a it's like a story of friendship. Yep, and, and eventually they'll cure the rat plague if you do the right thing and get them working together. But that's another matter. Because <laughs> <laughs> because the the the, the, the lore reason why we have these electors is that either one will prevent the, you from getting the rat plague if you consume enough of it. Yeah. Um, but the both are expensive, and so the average person can't really afford them, and that drives a lot of stuff in the plot later. Um, Matter of fact, officers and enlisted personnel in the city watch are actually paid in elixir <laughs> as well as money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like if you're an officer, you get two rations a day. And if you're just enlisted, you get one ration. Um, so it, it, it's people are desperate for it. And that, of course, leads to some black market stuff uh, that we'll find out later. Because mm-hmm. people are trying to sort of fill that void for a, a cheap and affordable way to prevent the plague. But yeah, no. So it 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 drives a lot. Those two elixirs kind of drive a lot of stuff in the game. And fun, and f- as far as the gameplay, like I said, uh, one restores health, the other restores magic because one focuses on the body and one focuses on the mind. It's cool. You see advertisements for it all over the city. Like they do oh, a real yeah. job. And it's like you know, Sokolov's elixir promotes robust health and fitness, and you'll see these like flexing muscles on the advertisement <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It's kind of, it's pretty cool, and it sort of implies that it, it promotes virility too. Like you know, you'll not only will you be healthy and fit, but you'll be you know sexually robust as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so we meet the outsider, and he explains that we're going to play a pivotal role in these events, and he gives us these powers. And then we yeah. wake up, and we have this mark on our hand. I guess when you wake up, you think, oh, was this just a dream? But then you look on your hand, and there's this mark. And you don't really find out what 
really what the mark is until like three games later. So we won't get into that at this point. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the mark is closely identified with the outsider who is closely identified. And the place where you go to meet the outsider is called the void. And it's basically this place outside of time and space. Um, where there is no time and there really aren't any laws of physics and that's where the outsider dwells and does everything he does. Mm-hmm. They don't really explain exactly what the void is, but it's just, it's this sort of nebulous place. Um, I think it's where people go when they die and when you die in that game, you just kind of go to the void and cease to exist um, unless you're Delilah Copperspoon, but that's another matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, I want to talk briefly about, like, the missions that you go on in Design. Yes, But, like, absolutely. again, briefly and superficially, because I think we'll get into them more in other podcasts. Yeah, so we'll just kind of really quickly go over each one, I guess. Yeah. Your first mission is basically to assassinate the High Overseer. Right. High Overseer Campbell. And so Samuel takes you, you know, to the shoreline, and you have to run you have to run around and sort of figure out where he is get into the sort of headquarters of the abbey of the everyman and eventually kill him although that's not your only option and there are some side missions too um you meet some important characters along the way um it doesn't take too long for you to meet a character called uh, granny rags and she'll kind of show <laughs> yeah. she'll kind of show up throughout the missions mm-hmm. and granny rags is this really devout follower of the outsider who used to be you know a prominent aristocrat mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow lost that position, and now she sort of lives in the slums. She's blind, but she always knows you know, who's around her and what's going on. Yeah. Um, she has this apartment in the city, and when you first meet her, you basically have to uh, either kill or incapacitate these you know, local gangsters who keep harassing her. And once you do that, she gives you a rune. Yeah. Um, and she has a little shrine to the outsider, and there are these shrines scattered all over the place. And if you find a rune at a shrine, the outsider will appear and kind of summarize the mission for you. And <laughs> tell you your alternatives mm-hmm. um so you do this for granny rags and then you kind of run around the city gathering clues as to where campbell is and how you can get to him mm-hmm. and eventually you find out that you have one of two choices to neutralize campbell as a political ally to the lord regent because uh, he's important because the abbey of the everyman has such influence and so the lord regent needs uh the high overseer's support in order to maintain sort of his grip on the overall political and military structure um, and for that reason, he has actually given the overseers in the Abbey sort of civilian police authority co-equal with the city watch, which is why you see them sort of with weapons and stuff running around. Yeah. Um, and so you, you need to take him out as a key ally to the Lord Regent. You can do that in one of two ways. And this is a common theme in the game. You can do it lethally or non-lethally. Uh, so you can kill him or you can bring about his fall from grace in another way. And basically what it is, is the... Uh, Abbey of the Everman has this way of, of branding people who have committed, you know, unforgivable sins against the order. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you have this brand on your head, then no matter who you are, you're cast out. Uh, even if you're the high overseer, um, they see they see this brand on you, they won't question why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You're out. <laughs> you're just out. <laughs> and so, if you want to pursue the non-lethal course, you'll incapacitate the high overseer, bring him down to this interrogation room and put the brand on his head, Mm -hmm. at which point he'll be cast out. He'll have no political influence anymore. And so the Lord Regent will lose him as an ally, as a political ally. And if you do that, later on in the game, you'll see that he has contracted the rat plague and become one of these zombies. Well, they're called weepers Weepers, in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see him later on in the, in a different part of the city where, you know, they, everybody goes to die. Yeah. Um, or if you kill him, you can kill him. Now, before you depart for this mission, one of the people at the Hounds Pit pub 
um, mentions uh, Jeff Kernow, whom I think we mentioned earlier, and says that she is his niece and, and the high overseer is plotting to poison him. And she would like you to save his life. And so you can do that uh, if, you, if you choose. Uh, you, can, you can either switch the drink so that the high overseer will drink the poison drink. You can pour out both glasses or you can do nothing. Um, and if you switch the drinks, then the high overseer will die from the poison. If you don't, then, you know, Kernow will die from the poison. Uh, if you pour out both glasses, then the high overseer will try to kill him immediately, and you'll have to interject with lethal force to save him if you want him to live. But if you save him, then he, you know, goes off and does his thing, and she's very grateful that you saved her uncle. Uh, so that's one little side quest you can undertake. You just reminded me of something. I think in that mission on your way, um, to the high overseer, you meet uh, somebody named Martin. Oh, yes. That's right. Before you leave, Havelock asked you to... Martin's an overseer. Um, he's, he's not the high overseer, but he's a high-ranking overseer. Mm-hmm. But he's working with Havelock and the loyalists who are helping you. And so they ask you to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you find him. There, he's being chained up and tortured uh, for some concocted offense uh, against the Abbey. Mm-hmm. And so release him. He'll go back to the Hound's Pits pub and he'll help them plan future missions as you go forward. Um, and he'll, of course, also play a prominent role later uh, when, you know, the tables kind of turn, but we'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you rescue him and he becomes an important character later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's uh, conspiring with the loyalists to overthrow the Lord Regent and using blackmail to do it, but that's another matter. So after you uh, either kill or mark the overseer, Mm-hmm. Uh, you just go back home, right? Yeah, that's basically the theme. Once you accomplish your mission and you've done all the exploring you want to do, you found all your runes and everything, you, you make your way back to the boat where Samuel's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And he'll take you back to the Hound's Pit pub. Yeah. Where you'll... You, you, and sometimes when between big missions, you'll do like little side missions there. But for the most part, you go back there, you sleep, then you go on your next mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So let's talk about the mission that comes after that. Yes, indeed. Uh, I'm drawing to... I, I know all the missions, but I forget which one comes exactly after that. Uh, I think it's the one where you rescue Emily. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the... Um, gosh, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Nick. Unacceptable. This is serious business. This is, this is, a, this is a professional... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I, I uh, but I can find it real quick. Uh, okay. House, oh, House of Pleasure. Yeah, no, that's the. You have two objectives there. One is to rescue Emily, and the other is to. There's a character I forgot to mention. Um, oh yeah, Lord uh, Pendleton. Pendleton. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's one of the main. He's one of the main conspirators who you know help get you out of prison. And his two brothers together control a majority voting block in Parliament, and. The Lord Regent depends on their support in Parliament to enact his agenda and get the funding he needs and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you take them out, then that'll be a serious blow to the Lord Regent. Right. Um, but they happen to be, you know, Pendleton's brothers. And so he's sending you to kill his, his own two brothers. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a way to do that. Again, there's a lethal and a non-lethal option. Uh, the lethal option is you can go in there and kill them. Yeah. Um, and as the name of the mission implies, um, you find out that they're going to be at the Golden Cat, which is a brothel, basically. Right. Yeah. On, on that night, there's a there's a there's a get together at the Golden Cat, a brothel, and that's where uh, the two brothers are going to be. And you can go there, you can kill them, or 
know, through a series of side quests, you can get into the good graces of this uh, this guy named Slackjaw, and he yeah. he controls the Hatter Gang, mm-hmm. um, and th- they run this racket where they sell diluted Sol- Sokolov's elixir to people. Um, it's not as effective as the full strength stuff, but it's cheap enough for the common people to afford it, and so. The city watch kind of looks the other way, so you do a series of side quests for him and get in his good graces, and he will offer to basically kidnap the two brothers and spirit them away without killing them mm-hmm. if you do this one thing for him. And so you can do that, and Slackjaw will kidnap them and take them away non-lethally, or you can just go into the brothel and kill them. Mm-hmm. But non-lethally, he still he's like, I'm gonna cut off their tongues and send them to the mind that opened, so they know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's like, huh? I mean, they're not, they're not. They're not. They're not going to die, but they're going to, you know, work hard labor without tongues for the rest of their <laughs> yeah, lives. Yeah. So I don't know which one's better. Like, are we really know. doing the better thing there? <laughs> no. I mean, that's the that's the low. If you want to keep the chaos low, that's mm-hmm, what you'll do. Yeah. But it's, it's from their point of view, you, they'd almost rather be killed. Would you rather die in a whorehouse or go work in the mines? You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I noticed that throughout the missions, it's like. Hmm, is the non-lethal one really better than the lethal one? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, like in, in the DLC, you can kill this one guy, or you can stuff him in a crate to be shipped off to the frigid islands of the north. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just one example, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so you could do one of the two. And then also, that's where they're keeping Emily. Because um, hmm, yeah. the, the Lord Regent needs Emily to have any kind of legitimate claim, because she's the, she's the rightful heir to the throne. Yeah. So, so they can't have her getting out. So you, mm-hmm. so you get Emily back, and she's very happy to see you. And she basically says, you know, meet me at the VIP entrance whenever you're ready to leave. Mm-hmm. So, so you do that. So you've, you've either killed or, you know, enslaved the brothers. You've rescued Emily. That's basically the second mission. And what this does to the Lord Regent is that it, it deprives him of his majority voting block in Parliament. And so that really sort of hamstrings his ability to exert political influence, mm-hmm. um, as you see later on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before you go on, you mentioned uh, chaos. Yes, ma'am. Could you elaborate on that? Yes, uh, chaos is um, it's sort of similar to the black and white world mechanic in Demon Souls. Sort of similar. It's mm-hmm. like a world mechanic um, based on your actions. Uh, the, the chaos index rises or falls, and then characters react to you differently, and the world environment changes. Um, mm-hmm. And chaos is influenced by a few things, like it's like how often you're detected, how many dead or unconscious bodies are found. Uh, that you leave around, but the main thing is, uh, for for the most part, the more people you kill, the higher the chaos index goes, and the more times you choose the lethal resolution to a mission, the higher the chaos index goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's low chaos, medium chaos, and high chaos, and those things influence again characters' reactions to you, perceptions of you, and the ultimate ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things will play out a little bit differently depending on how many people you kill. Basically, that's if you want to boil it down. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And so, and. On the high chaos, Emily kind of gets more and more kind of morbid. She'll draw pictures of you killing people and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll like, who'd you kill tonight? And you get back from a mission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many people did you kill tonight? Was it a lot? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it was a lot. Because at the end of every mission, it, they tell you how many people you killed. Oh, and God, with, yeah. With me, it's always like, you know, 75, 100. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really hard to play through without killing anyone. It's really hard. Well, what you got to do is I played... Um, because I usually play games in like a stealth, non-lethal way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so with Dishonored, that's what I did the first time I played it. But to do that sort of properly, I had to save a lot and then go back to save points a lot. Mm-hmm. So it took a little while. <laughs> you know, that I, I'm trying to get through the DLC with low chaos, and that's what I keep having to do. Because yeah. like, I keep alerting them and they keep cornering me and I have to yeah. kill them, you know, just to... So it's it's really hard uh, to get through without killing anyone. One thing that's difficult about this game, at least the first one, is that once you're detected, there's not much you can do. You can either run away, you can shoot them with a sleeping dart. Yep. You can, but those are hard to come by. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or you can, I guess, yeah, just run away and hide or shoot them with a sleeping dart. Or you can't, like, knock them out after they detected you until they stop looking for you. That's right. In Dishonored 2, you can. Yeah. Uh, you can sort yeah. of... But in, Dis- in Dishonored 1, there's no way to... Aside from using a sleeping dart, there's no way to sort of knock them out without killing them yeah. once you're in combat. Like, I'm sure and there are other ways. I think maybe there's... Oh, no, the electrocution thing is in the DLC? That's lethal. Oh, oh you mean... It- Oh, you mean the uh oh right, the the arc mines. Yeah, you can get the non lethal arc mines in the DLC and that those will incapacitate people yeah. without killing them. Yeah. But like yeah, there's no like easy obvious way to No. And even in Dishonor two, it's hard, but mm-hmm. at least you can you can incapacitate people even in direct yeah. combat without yeah. using like a sleep dart. But yeah. it's it's still difficult. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh it's tough, but so they, I just usually opt for, you know, just walk in and kill everything and see what happens <laughs> type approach. Um but yeah, so that, that's chaos. The more people you kill, basically, the more the chaos rises and the kind of generally darker things get. Um, and it affects how Samuel interacts with you in kind of the last mission of the game, which we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's House of Pleasure. All takes place in a whorehouse. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can murder the prostitutes if you want, but I don't see any reason to do that because they yeah. won't attack you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I always like, if if I accidentally, like, you know, dis, uh, disturb one, and she's like running around, being like, "No, I was like, ma'am, ma'am, calm down. I'm not here for you. It's okay." But they can't really hear me. <laughs> but I still try to talk at the screen, hoping that it could I do, work. I do too. Say, like, I'm not here. To, I'm not here for you. What I'll, I usually do is just choke them out so they don't go and let the guards. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, that's that's true. Now you you can do some pretty in that mission. You can you can do some pretty sick things with the process. Not anything sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, like, there are these dumpsters all over the place where you can kind of stash bodies so that they're not detected. Yeah, that's true. And so one thing you can do if you're kind of sick-minded is, like, you can actually kill some guards and stuff them in a trash can, choke out a prostitute, put her in the trash can so that when she wakes up, she'll be in a dumpster with all these dead bodies. You can do weird stuff like that. Yeah. Well, if that's your fancy. <laughs> well, the other day, uh, we were uh, I was streaming Dishonored, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, let's see how many bodies we can stuff in a dumpster. Eventually, they'll disappear because the game, yeah. I don't think, can... Yeah. yeah, but it was a lot. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I was able to stuff, like, at least four or five before they started to disappear, uh, just because the game can't, I guess, keep track of that many. <laughs> the game's trying to tell you something, like, stop this. This is not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is not healthy, Corvo. You're you're going down a dark path here. Yeah. Uh, but even the unconscious bodies will disappear just because, I guess, the game can't... Oh, you know, keep track of that many. Cor- you no, know, the game just doesn't want to deal with our shit. It's like no, no. no. It's like all right, I get it. You're trying to hide bodies <laughs> yeah, here. You're or being whatever. edgy right now. We get it, but please continue <laughs> the mission. Exactly. <laughs> just play. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. So anyway, so if you, if, if you can do some pretty weird, creative, and kind of sick things if you yeah. put your mind to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you put your mind to it. <laughs> you know, that's that's House of Pleasure in kind of a nutshell. You're you're there to kill Lord Pendleton's two brothers. 
And from there, you go to the Royal Physician mission. And as the, t- as the name implies, you know, Anton Sokolov is the Royal Physician. Um, he invented all the security devices that you encounter throughout the game. He invented uh, basically everything. So he's he is a key ally to the Lord Regent. And so your goal is to kidnap him and force him to divulge the identity of the Lord Regent's mistress. Oh. Yeah. So at this point, um, because the Lord Regent has lost the support of the Pendleton brothers in Parliament, because you either killed them or sent them to work in the mines, his proposed budget did not pass Parliament, which means he doesn't have the money to pay the city watch. Uh oh. And of course, you cannot maintain soldiers' loyalty if you don't pay them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but he's getting he's getting funding to pay them from an unnamed benefactor with whom he is also having sexual relations. <laughs> The intrigue. <laughs> yes, the intrigue. So his, his wealthy mistress is basically funding the city watch so that he yeah. can maintain control over the city's military apparatus. Uh-huh. And so naturally your goal is to take her out so that she can no longer fund the city watch. And that uh-huh. will really, really set him back because he won't be able to pay his soldiers. Yeah, he's like, my support is gone. My funding is gone. My mistress is gone. What the F? Yep. <laughs> and so your mission is to go in and... But before you do that, you have to get Sokolov to tell you who the mistress is. Right, yeah. And so there's this big mission where you go in, and this one, there's no real lethal, non-lethal option. You have to bring him back alive. If he dies, the mission fails. So it's not your typical mission in that regard. Um, So you you sneak – what I usually do is I just shoot him with a sleep dart. When you finally fight your way up to his lab, up at the top of his apartment, uh, he's – he's dictating into an audio recording machine. He's performing some type of test. Um, what he's trying to do is to contact the outsider. The outsider appears to you and reveals that Sokolov is, is desperate to contact the outsider. And Sokolov believes that there, that there are certain acts that can compel the outsider to appear, which is false. The outsider appears to who he wants to. Yeah. Outsider is um, like playing hard to get. And Sokolov exactly. is acting a little desperate. He is. And he's performing tests on people. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, holding them against their will and performing tests on them to see if he can get the outsider yeah. to appear. Um, the outsider says something interesting when he's explaining all that. He says, if Sokolov really wants to meet with me, he can start by being a bit more interesting. Shade! Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> the outsider only appears to people who interest him, and that's like a handful in a generation. You know, and Sokolov is not among... He ha- Interestingly, the outsider has appeared to Perot, but not Sokolov. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, snap! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sick burn! <laughs> The outsiders appeared at least once to Perot. I don't think he gave Perot any powers, but he appeared to him at least once. Um, but he has not appeared to Sokolov. You know, the, the most brilliant man of his time, yet he does not interest the outsider at all. Yeah, that's kind of ironic. <laughs> it is. Uh, but yeah, the outsider, he doesn't like, He doesn't really pay any mind to like your station or your wealth or your intellect. He just, if he finds you interesting, he'll appear to you. And that's really the only criterion. You yeah. know? Um, but yeah, so he appears to you and explains all that. And then you go in and you incapacitate Sokolov and you have to basically put him over your shoulder and take him with you back to the boat where you meet Samuel. What I usually do is I usually go through and clear out all the guards before I carry him back because it's kind of hard to kind of move with a corpse and fight at the same time. So, Well, what I recently discovered, and this is why I love Dishonored, because I played it a few times, but I would do stealth stuff. Right. And I would take a certain route, which is more like on the ground. But this time I was just doing whatever, killing people, I don't care. And I noticed I didn't really go the rooftop route much. So I tried that. And it's so easy. You just literally go on rooftops. Then from the rooftop, you go to Sokolov's apartment right there. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, in in general, you're better off to stick to the rooftop. So yeah. on the ground, you're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's why I love this game too. Because like recently, I've been replaying it, and I found a few routes that I'm like, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know you could do it that way. All same here. To get ready for the podcast, I played through it again, and I found a bunch of routes that I didn't realize were there. Um, because, and I, this time I used possession, which I hadn't used before. And then if you turn into a rat or a fish, there are even more ways you can go. Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool. And so, yeah, the yeah, Sokolov's apartment is way up high. And so if you take the rooftops, you can get there pretty easy yeah. without having to necessarily fight your way through a bunch of guards. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so you, so you get Sokolov, you, you bring him back to the boat, and then you have to interrogate him at the Hound's Pit Pub. You put him in this cage. Uh-huh. And you have to interrogate him. You can go about it one of two ways. You can adjacent to the cage they've got this uh container filled with you know bull rats yeah <laughs> and so you can you get a, the first thing that havelock wants to do is to set the rat it to threaten to set the rats loose on him yeah. you know it's like tell us what we want to know tell us the identity of the mistress or we'll set the rats loose on you and they'll devour you in 30 seconds yeah <laughs> so but he, he ultimately leaves it to you to, to decide what to do you can do one of two things you can threaten to put the rats loose on him or you can bribe him uh-huh um, I usually bribe him because I just, you know, in real life, torture generally doesn't work that well. It's You're better off to play to people's self-interest. Mm-hmm. And so I, you, if you pick the bribe option, um, Sokolov will be like, yes, I approve of this. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you have to go see Perot for the, because Perot knows Sokolov. He knows what he likes. And so you go to Perot and you say, um, hey there, Perot, buddy, uh, how do I bribe Sokolov into telling me what I want to know? And Perot's like, well, you know, there's this really rare type of brandy that tastes like warmed over pee, but he really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a bottle of it, but it was very expensive. Would you like to buy it from me? And so you have to spend like 150 coin to get it from him. I know. By this point, I was like, oh, my God, Piero, give me the bottle or I'm going to torture you. But- exactly. <laughs> oh now, you spend a lot of money with Pro because he gives you your weapons and your upgrades yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I should get a discount. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I think I think he's turning a profit off of everything. I don't think he's giving you the stuff at cost. I think he's turning a profit. Oh, for but sure. But that's just me. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, whatever, you know. Man's got to eat hard times and <laughs> yeah. all that. But, you know, so you buy the brandy from him. You take it back to Sokolov. And Sokolov tells you what he knows, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Basically, there are these three Boyle sisters, and they're all prominent aristocrats in the city. Mm-hmm. And one of the three is the mistress, but he doesn't know which one. Because mm-hmm. uh, he painted a picture of her, but he only painted her backside. He didn't get to see her face. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I, he's like, trust me, it was a great picture, even from behind. <laughs> <laughs> dirty like, old man. But <laughs> Calm down, Sokolov. <laughs> <laughs> like, you dirty old man, yeah. you... Oh. <laughs> And so, but there's this party um, at the Boyle estate, and it's a masquerade ball. And so the three Boyle sisters will all be wearing masks. And so your mission is to wear your own mask, which is a dog ugly mask, but it's still a mask. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a mechanical mask that Perot gives you at the beginning to kind of, you know, augment, to hide your face and to, you can use it to zoom in on things as if it's gotten lit. And so you wear that mask to the ball. Now, by this point, uh, security in the city is really tight, and so you have to kind of either fight or evade uh, some pretty hefty security to yeah. get to the party. And but I once think- you get... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, say once you get to the party, though, the guards won't attack you unless you yeah, do the wrong yeah. thing. So. And I think this is the first time I encounter the tall boys. That's it, yes. That, that's, that is the first mission in which you encounter the tall boys. And basically, those are an invention of Sokolov. There, there's a person 
piloting the, basically these mechanical stilts. Mm-hmm. And they shoot explosive arrows at you when they see you. Yeah. And they're much more difficult to take out than your average guard. Um, what I usually do is fire incendiary arrows at them. Mm-hmm. And that takes them out. But you can um, use like regular air. They've got a whale oil tank on the back. And if you hit that, it'll explode and kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a couple ways to take them out. Yeah. Um, you kind of need them in the beginning of the game. I think at the outsiders uh, in the void. Yeah, but, you see them. Yeah, you see them. You, but you don't understand what they are. <laughs> you unless don't you the realize game. how... Yeah. M- how perceptive and creepy they are in real life. No, oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. But they uh, they have really because they're so high up. They have really good detection. They yeah. can detect you from oh, far God, off. Yeah, it was I because I'm used to the guards who are like half deaf or something. The guards just can't see you have the time where you're like leaning from a corner, you know, and you're right. clearly there, and they're like, hmm, I guess it's clear. Yeah. Right, and they're talking to each other, they're not paying attention. But the tall boys, oh, I think the people yeah. who pilot the tall boys have actually had their brains altered so that oh, really? and the. Yeah, so they're they're they've been kind of dumbed down in a way. Huh. So like all they focus on is patrolling and doing their mission. Like they don't have really any independent thought beyond that. You find these notes scattered all over the place that kind of and I vaguely recall finding a note that that sort of explains how you become a tall boy operator. Uh-huh. And it's like basically you undergo a procedure to kind of dull your emotions and kind of dull your perception so that your single-minded focus is to patrol and destroy whatever you're supposed to destroy. Oh, well, no wonder they're so good at their jobs. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like you, you're, they alter your brain, basically, mm-hmm. so that you all you're really good for is to be a tall boy pilot, but you're really good at it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I'm not just making – it's not just my head cannon app. <laughs> Because it sounded like something from Dishonored, but I'm like, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> this is in the game. <laughs> but now, I'm remembering this from the last time I played through the game, which was a while back. Mm-hmm. But I do recall finding a note that says awesome. basically how you become a tall boy. And it, it's really kind of cruel, but, what's, you know. What's the pay like to become a tall boy pilot? I know. I I, I would suppose that you it's more than your average City Watch member. Um, but then again, because your brain's been altered, who knows if they even get paid? <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Like here, you get you get food and lodging and your daily ration of elixir. Yeah. So they're like the Sumerians uh, who roam above ground working for the healing church. Basically, yeah, kind of these brainless servants. Um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're they're a lot like the big uh, hulking Sumerians who patrol Cathedral Ward. Yeah, they're similarly tall, actually, not as bulky, but similarly oh. tall. Uh, Do you think this confirms the shared universe theory? Well, as Miyazaki would say, that's one interpretation. <laughs> that's one interpretation. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it could. I mean, the visual, I, well, you know, the outsider um, has kind of Cthulian elements to him. And of course, Bloodborne has a lot of inspiration from Lovecraft. Yeah. So, oh. You know, because the outsider is this sort of impish figure who gives humans boons, you know, otherwise forbidden boons, you know, special powers just yeah. to see what they do with them. Yeah. That, that's the only reason he gives anybody powers. He's, he's not good. He's not evil. But he is kind of cynical. He's kind of, he seems like he's like a little bit bored that internet has not been invented yet. Exactly. So he needs to keep himself occupied. <laughs> yeah. you know? So he's not good. He's not evil. But he is mischievous mm-hmm. and whimsical. Yeah. So he'll give, he'll give people powers at pivotal points in history just to see what they do. And he says, you know, what you do with the powers I've given you is up to you, but I will be watching with great interests. So that's that's the only reason he appears to anyone who gives him powers. But uh, yeah, so once you get past the tall boys and the guards, you get to this party, and it's a masquerade ball, so people see you with your mask, and the guards are not immediately hostile to you. But if you trespass in a place you're not supposed to go, 
or if you like really draw too much attention to yourself, they'll turn hostile and the whole party will be ruined. <laughs> um, there's actually an achievement for getting through the mission without spoiling the party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I really like the masquerade, uh, the ball, the masquerade level. I wish more games had that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You fight your way to the party, but then it's all about you talking to people and gathering clues to figure out which of the three sisters is Lady Boyle. Yeah, and everybody's so fashionable and so chill, and there's like so much food, and you can drink. And, yep. Yeah. And you meet this one lady who asks you to bring her a drink, and if you do, she gives you a clue as to who the real Lady Boyle is. Yeah. And, and same thing, you talk to these other random people, and eventually you find out that um, you can get upstairs to their bedrooms and maybe find some clues as mm-hmm. to which one is the real one. Now, but the bedroom is off limits, so if the guards find you upstairs, they'll be hostile to you. Yeah. <laughs> but it won't spoil the party if you can take the guards out before they sound the alarm. <laughs> You're like, hey, don't you spoil the party, you guards. I will kill you. Exactly, which is what I did. I, I killed each one before he could sound the alarm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this party is important to Boils, okay? Yep, it is. Um, so, yeah, so you go upstairs and you, you roam through their bedrooms and you find a bunch of clues and you eventually figure out that it's the one in white who's the, who's the mistress. And so you go to kill her, but then you encounter this other guy at the party, and this is the non-lethal option. He says, I know why you're here. I've, uh, I've done some favors for your cause. Um, I'm in love with Lady Boyle, and I don't want you to kill her. Uh, so just uh, bring her to me down in the basement, and I will take her away and essentially hold her prisoner for the rest of her life. You'll <laughs> yeah. never see her again. It's, it's like, uh, she will learn to love me type deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's basically what he says. He's like, if, if she doesn't love me now, she'll learn to. She'll have her whole life. Yeah. So again, it's like, hmm, the non-lethal option seems uh, kind of creepy and... Uh, it- not it necessarily does. the best one. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. and, and so you can uh, you can knock her out and take her downstairs, and he'll take her away on a boat, and you'll never see her again. Or you can kill her. Yeah. If you disable or kill her upst- in the party, obviously it'll spoil the party, and the guards will turn hostile to you. And there are a lot of them. So you're generally not... You, it's not a good idea to turn the guards hostile, because there are so many. And the first time I played through, I did turn them hostile, and I did eventually manage to kill them all, but it took a lot of tries. It's really hard, because there are just so many. And there's one with the anti-outsider box and stuff, so oh, it's yeah. just hard. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard. Um, it's easier if you don't spoil the party. Yeah, don't spoil the party. It's also bad manners. It is. It's really uncouth. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you you either kill her or send her away, and now the Lord Regent has lost his financial support. Aww. So he, he can no longer afford to pay the city watch, and so he's lost a lot of loyalty with him. He still has a few loyal soldiers, enough to kind of hole up at the tower. Uh, which the Tower of Dunwall is where the game starts, and it's sort of the seat of the government. You know, you've taken out um, the Lord Regent's religious ally. You've taken out his financial support. You've taken out his majority in Parliament, and so now he's holed up in the tower, and he's got it heavily fortified. And so now your mission is to go take him out. And so you go back to the Tower of Dunwall to do that, uh, and Samuel takes you there. And again, there there are two options to do it. Um, you can find him and kill him, you know, which is always my preferred choice. <laughs> or you can find the propaganda officer who has no courage whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> once you find the propaganda officer, he's like, look, I know you're here to kill the Lord Regent. Don't kill me. If you don't kill me, I will tell you where to find this audiograph recording where he confesses to something truly unspeakable. And if it gets out, he will surely fall from power. And if you go that, I think it's actually worth it to go the non-lethal route 
uh, in this mission because you find out a really, really interesting piece of lore when you do. And what it is, if you go through it and you find the audiograph and you play it, you find out that it was Hiram Burroughs who introduced the Rat Plague to the island. Plot twist. Da-da! <laughs> Basically what it is, is the Rat Plague was altogether foreign to the Empire and would likely have remained so forever. Uh, it originated on this other continent called Pendicia, and it's kind of this... You find a lot about Pendicia in like the notes you find. It's basically this uh, far-off exotic place. <laughs> kind of like you know the Amazon or the Galapagos Islands or something. And so he had these bull rats uh, secretly imported from Pandicia. And he set them loose in the, you know, the, the ghettos, the, the poorer parts of the city. And his goal was to basically eradicate the poor and the unproductive. Yeah. <laughs> so that they wouldn't be a drain on society. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, it reminded me of that movie, The Purge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of, you want to get rid of the undesirables. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it sort of hints at this earlier in the game. You find these notes indicating that the rats who have had the strain the longest are in the poorer parts of the town within the city, but the younger rats are in the ports. And that doesn't make sense because you would expect something like, like that to come in through the ports, you know, right, yeah. a new species of rat, a new species of disease. But no, it, it, it was introduced in it, the poorer parts of town. So this seems deliberate. And then you find out later that it was the spy master who did that. Yes. And so when that is, and you find a recording of his voice where he admits to it. And then when you broadcast that, he's immediately arrested and, and taken away. Now, here, now the, here's what I did on the first time when I played through. I got both the lethal and the non-lethal trophy at once what? in the same playthrough. How? Be because I had, you know, I had re... I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I, 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 I have a theory. Here's what happened. I went with the non-lethal route because I wanted to kind of humiliate the Lord Regent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I broadcast the... Uh, I broadcast the, you know, the, the message. Yeah. And then, you know, the guards take him away. <laughs> and so when you do that, it says target neutralized. It doesn't say target. If you kill the target, it says target assassinated. Right. If you go the non-lethal way, it says target neutralized. Uh -huh. And so I did that, and it said target neutralized. And then a few minutes later, it said target assassinated. And I got the achievement for killing him. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing I can figure is that when they take him away, they actually walk through the tower. <laughs> and I had reconfigured one of the walls of light. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Nick. And, and the walls of light are these security devices that if you walk through them, they'll zap you and kill you, but you can reconfigure them to kill enemies instead of you. And so I had done that. And the only thing I can think of is that when they walked through one of the walls of light that I had reconfigured, it killed it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, holy smokes, I got both achievements in one playthrough. <laughs> so this is good. You managed to embarrass him, but also you murdered him as revenge for your girlfriend. Exactly. So we did both. So <laughs> yeah. they won't think that he's this martyr figure who was assassinated by these, you know, corrupt conspirators. Exactly. He was actually a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so once you, you once you either kill him or disgrace him or both, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you go back to the Hounds Pit Pub and everybody's congratulate. Well, well, to kind of back up, once you get on the boat with Samuel, yeah. Samuel's Samuel's acting a little weird. Mm -hmm. He seems a little bit subdued. Mm -hmm. um, he gets you back to the pub, and he says, you know, if it's all right with you, Corvo, I'm going to just hang around at my boat and think about things. But you go on ahead. You know, I'm sure they're waiting to raise a glass in your honor because you've succeeded. Yeah, because you know. you're so great, and we all love you so much. Mm -hmm. Nothing weird is about to happen. Nope, nothing at all. <laughs> uh, we're not planning to stab you in the back or anything. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you go to the Hounds Pits pub. You know, they give you a drink. They, ra they raise a drink in your honor. They celebrate you as the hero of the hour. Uh -huh. You take your drink. Um, 
and then you, you kind of walk around like normal. Mm-hmm. Um, when you want to make things move forward, you have to go back to your bed and sleep, yeah. but you can do other things in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, and you notice that every now and again, you'll hear this sort of piercing sort of squeal, and the the screen will kind of distort. Uh-huh. It's like it's like Corvo's getting disoriented. Yeah. You know. And like things are getting blurry as you walk up the stairs. Exactly. And he's getting he's losing a bit of his motor coordination, you know, so it's like so you're like, huh. Yeah. They couldn't have they couldn't have slipped me some poison, could they? Hmm. Or maybe he's like, that's some good alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's ambiguous. It's like, okay, is he drunk off of one glass of whiskey? Or is he <laughs> Yeah. Which I kinda doubt for Corvo. <laughs> So once you get back to your bed, when you wake up, uh, you've got, you know, Havelock and Pendleton and Martin standing over your body with, with Samuel, yeah. the boatman. And they're basically, they basically think you're dead, yeah. um, but you're not. You're sort of half dead. You know, you're mm-hmm. woozy. Yeah. Um, and so they basically say that, uh, yeah, you know, that Corvo, he's all right, but we had to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? he can't catch a break. Poor guy. <laughs> no. So, they, so his drink was poisoned, obviously. The loyalists turn against him. And they, they, they don't... It basically, the reason was that... There was a couple of reasons. Number one, they wanted to cover up the things that they had done. Right. Uh, because if it ever got out, uh, you know, they would be they would be imprisoned and executed. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, they didn't think they could control Emily with Corvo around. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. they knew he was he was loyal to the, the Caldwin family. And he would never just stand by while they manipulate Emily for their own ends. Yeah. You know? So because of Emily's affection for Corvo and because Corvo was a loose end, they they had Samuel poison him. Yeah. Uh, so Samuel's the one who slipped the poison in his drink. But later you find out that... Uh, well, well, to back up, they tell Samuel to dispose of the body because they think you're dead. Yeah, they don't check or anything. They're like, mm, he looks pretty dead. Yeah, he looks dead. <laughs> so they trust that Samuel's going to obey them without question. Uh-huh. So Samuel, you know, takes you, he puts you in his boat, and he explains that, yeah, Corvo, I, they told me to, you know, slip you a Mickey, and I did, but I only gave you half the poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he didn't want to kill you. No. So what he says is, I'm going to dump you in the flooded district, and hopefully you'll make it back alive. Yeah, fingers crossed. But if you don't, then, well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I tried. <laughs> well, well that, that's what he says to you on High Chaos, anyway. Uh, it may be... He's a little friendlier, generally, if it's, like, lower lower chaos, but... Yeah, so he leaves you there in the flooded district. Mm-hmm. And some context for the flooded district is, you know, literally, it's flooded. Um, that is where people with the plague... Well, oh, that is where they dump all the bodies of plague victims, living or dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, at one time, the flooded district was a prominent financial district. You know, very wealthy, prominent people live there. But then, during the Rat Plague, the the levees were not properly maintained, and so the whole district was flooded. Mm-hmm. And so now, the flooded district, if you contract the plague, that's where they'll send you, whether you're alive or dead. Um, they gather up dead bodies. The, these officials called dead counters gather up the dead bodies and take them to the flooded district, who, those who are infected with the plague. And then, if you're showing symptoms of the plague, they'll ship you there while you're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ostensibly for treatment, but it's really to just get rid of you so Pretty that you much, don't... Yeah. yeah, it's basically a quarantine district for those with the plague. It's a real hellhole. Oh, yeah. A real awful place. And that's where Samuel dumps you. Thanks, Samuel. Exactly. But it, it doesn't stop there. You, when he dumps you there, you're still woozy, you're still unconscious. And the very same assassins who killed the Empress <laughs> kidnap you and take you to their hideout in the flooded district. That's where they operate. Yeah. <laughs> 
and their leader is a guy named Dowd, and he talks to you while they're putting you in this... They take your weapons, they take your gear, and they put you in this makeshift cell. It's like a big oil drum with these wooden planks <laughs> over it, and that's where they put you. <clears throat> so it's this makeshift cell. And he says... I know who you are. I know that mark on your hand. You know, he knows yeah. about the mark of the outsider because he has it too. Mm-hmm. As you come to find out later, he has powers too. Or you see that in the beginning of the game, so it's not hard to put together. Yeah. He has powers. So he, I, I know who you are. I know that mark on your hand, but I don't know what motivates you. You're a, you're a mystery, and I can't have that. So he doesn't kill you, though. He puts you in this oil drum, this makeshift cell, and kind of leaves you there. And so your first mission is to escape. That. But the name of this mission, to kind of back up, is... Um, the flooded district. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think it's the longest, most difficult mission in the game. It just goes on and on and it's on. It's true. And the environment is so like dangerous. And there are these weird plants spitting poison at you. And it's just, it made yep, me feel river so crust. like, yeah. And it's so like uncomfortable. Whereas the rest of the game is kind of pleasant and like beautiful aesthetic. This is like the opposite. This is like. Well, the flooded district is kind of like the curse rotted greatwood. Yeah. Or- yeah. It's like where everything they don't want, everything that's infected or diseased, they dump in the flooded district. You know? It's like the Valley of Defilement. It's exactly that's actually a better analogy. It's like the Valley of Defilement. <laughs> uh, it's the dishonored equivalent of the Valley of Defilement, and you feel it as you play through. It's, yeah. it's the longest, most difficult mission in the game, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, because you see, there are so many environmental hazards. Uh, you 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 get in the water, and these and the fish try to eat you, and so you're taking damage constantly while you're in the water. Yeah. These these river crusts are. They have these hard shells around them, but they can open up and spit acid at you, basically. Yeah. And that's the only time you can hurt them is when they open up to spit acid at you. Mm-hmm. And I always use a pistol to kind of shoot them when they do that, but there are other ways to do it. Um, but yeah, so there's so many environmental hazards. But before you even get to that, you have to escape from the assassins. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple ways you can get out of this makeshift cell you're in. Uh, you don't have your weapons, and so there's like one brick in the oil drum. So you can pick that up and throw it. You can throw it over and over again at the wooden planks until they break. Uh, or if you have the spell that lets you kind of, you know, it lets you kind of create a whirlwind. If you have that spell, you can do that, and it'll break through the planks right away. Um, so there are a couple ways to get out. Once you do that, though, this, as soon as you step out of the cell, these assassins will start attacking you, but you don't have a weapon to kind of defend yourself. Yeah. And so you can try to kill them with offensive magic if you have it, because you can still use your spells. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a table nearby with like a knife on it. You can grab that and fight. So either way, you have to kill you have to kill or incapacitate these assassins. Uh, and then once you do that, you kind of you have kind of two missions. One is to recover your gear. You don't have to do that, uh-huh. but I think you're much better off to yeah, recover your you gear. You probably should, <laughs> you know, because because it's like you that has all of your like healing potions and stuff and everything. And yeah. so you're starting with nothing basically from this mission. So I always recover my gear, and it's a long, tortured process to finally get inside this building and recover your gear. Oh, and I think this is where you meet one of your good old friends. Yeah, well, a couple. Um, well, like, eventually you can meet, or you meet Granny Rags and Slackjaw, but that's later. No, I mean um, the overseer, the high overseer. Oh, the, oh, that's yes. If you do not kill him, if you brand him instead, you'll meet. He'll be a weeper mm-hmm. in the flooded district. Yeah, and you'll you'll be able to kill him there you know, <laughs> as a weeper. Yeah. Because he, once he's once he's a cast out of the order, he has really nowhere to go, and he uh, contracts the plague, and so they dump him in the flooded yeah. district. Yeah. What a fall from grace! Uh, so is this is he really better off? Yeah, <laughs> is this really a non-lethal way to deal with him? <laughs> it's it's kind of like Dark Souls, you know. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter because it's going to wind up bad. Pretty much. <laughs> 
So yeah, so if you if you spare him and cast him out, he uh, contracts the plague and he winds up in the flooded district. And it, he, you'll see him in the building where you recover your gear if you take that route. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. No, thanks for reminding me about that. I I think we alluded to it earlier, but I forgot about it. Yeah. But yeah, you see him there if you don't kill him. Uh, and then, of course, you can kill him as a weeper because he'll attack you because he's lost his mind. Yeah. Um, so you recover your gear and then and it, it, there are some side quests you can undertake. And then the next big item on the agenda is to find Dowd. Um, and as with anything, you can kill Dowd or not. Um, Dowd is a really interesting character, and my first time through the game, I killed him, but then I played the DLC, and Dowd is actually the the playable character in the DLC, and after I played through all the DLC, I saw that Dowd actually saves Emily's life during all of this, and so I kind of regretted the decision to kill him. (laughs) He has like a whole existential crisis after killing Jasmine. He does. I mean, he's killed plenty of people. Yeah. Lots and lots of people, but killing her, I guess he, what I think it is, is the way he talks about most of the nobles that he's killed, you know, they're all equally corrupt. I think he, he thinks all the people he's killed had it coming, but she didn't have it coming. She was a good, benevolent empress. You know, she was good to the people. Yeah. She tried to act with their best interest at heart. Um, that, which put her at odds with the spy master because he wanted to implement these harsh measures to control the plague and do these things, but she wanted to be a benevolent leader. And so she she was uh, she was generally a generally good person, um, and so killing her put him in this existential crisis. Uh, as he puts it, something broke inside him when he killed the empress. Yeah. Um, and when you when you sneak around in his headquarters, you hear him say, "I'd give back the coin if I could." You know, I wish I hadn't killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obviously, it's too late. You can't go back from killing somebody, uh, even in this game, unless you're Delilah Copperspoon. But that's for another. <laughs> yeah, that's for another day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But she's a prominent figure in the DLC, but we may not get to that. Um, but yeah, so you make your way through Dowd's uh, headquarters, and your ostensible mission is to kill him, but you can spare him. Um, it, it, this this can go one of three ways. Um, you can f- get into his sort of inner sanctum and fight his assassins directly, and if you do the right thing, which I forget what that is, he will actually get down on his knees and ask you to spare him. He'll say... Look, I don't deserve it, but all I can do now is ask you for my life. Uh, when I killed the Empress, something broke inside me. I really regret it. Um, and if you'll let me go, I'm just going to go about and live my life and leave all this stuff behind. And so when he's sort of kneeling in front of you, you can either kill him or not. And that's when I killed him the first time through and later came to regret it. Um, but Or you can, uh, if, you can, if you're stealthy, you can sneak into his office pocket this pouch from his waist steal his key and leave and that's called sending him a message yeah <laughs> basically it's like doubt i was here i could have killed you but i chose not to or you can just fight him and kill him yeah <laughs> <laughs> whichever <laughs> yeah and so uh, i though i generally recommend not killing Dowd because he's such an interesting character mm. um and he he's important in later games and you know later at aspects of the story too you know what would have been cool if you killed out in main game like you can't play the dlc <laughs> yeah that would be interesting <laughs> like, well they they get around that because the dlc takes place before, before yeah it's true. you get to the flooded district yeah the, the entire dlc has concluded before you get to the flooded mm-hmm. district like um, the final moment how- of the dlc is when you um when corvo yeah, encounters you- him right that's exactly yeah the, yeah the final moment of the second dlc is where Th- those two confront. Mm-hmm. I think you actually fight Corvo for a moment, or you can. Oh. As Dow, yeah, so there's, there's a bit of a fight there. Oh. Corvo's there, and he's killing the assassins, and he's teleporting around, and you have to kind of fight him for a little bit. And then, I think if you play through the, if you play through the second DLC on High Chaos, Corvo will kill you. 
low chaos, he will spare you. Um, because the DLCs also have this chaos system. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so you, you can have an ending in the DLC that's inconsistent with what you do in the main game. Yeah, you, which like, makes sp- the game literally unplayable. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have inconsistencies in story. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but it is kind of weird that you can produce an ending in the DLC that's different from the main game, even though the two are supposed to go together. In the in the beginning of, I think, the second DLC, you kind of get the idea that it's like, oh, I'm going to face off with Corvo. And it was like, oh, I wonder if what I did in main game is going to happen in the DLC regardless of what I do. But- no, yeah, I think it's, it's, the, it's the chaos setting that influences, yeah. Um, I forget what the... Ha- oh, in the first DLC, um, chaos also influences the ending. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, with another character called Billy Lurk, who's Billy Lurk is Dowd's right hand man, and she becomes much more important in later games. Um, but she's the final boss of the first DLC uh, because she turns against Dowd. And if you're on low chaos, she won't follow through. She'll be like, "Oh well, I'm sorry," and just go away. But if you play through the first DLC on high chaos, she will just go all out and try to kill you, and you'll have to kill her uh, to win the fight. But anyway, that's I guess that's for another day. <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but yes. Yeah, so, the flooded district, you know, your first mission is to get out of the makeshift cell they made for you. Then you recover your gear advisedly, though you don't really have to. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Dowd. Then you go settle things with Dowd one way or another. And you've done all this and it takes a while, but you're at this point, you're like halfway through, <laughs> you know, the mission. <laughs> and then, so once you settle things with Dowd, your mission is to basically get out through the sewers. And you have to go through this long, complicated series of events to get the key to get into the sewer and out of the flooded district. Um, and along the way, you encounter two characters whom you've encountered before. One is Granny Rags, mm-hmm. um, and she's always good for a rune whenever you encounter her. <laughs> yeah. So it's always good. To, you know, it's always good to interact with her. And Slackjaw, the you know the the gang leader. She basically invited him to dinner. Yeah, she he he is dinner. <laughs> <laughs> she's got him tied up in this sort of stocks kind of device. Mm-hmm. And she she recognizes if you've helped her before she recognizes you and she says oh hi love you're just in time for dinner uh, we're going to cut this guy up and eat him mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, and so Slackjaw is begging you to help him uh-huh. and so here you can do one of two things and basically this is the final step before you get the key that you need to get out of the sewers um, and so you can do one of two things you can help Granny Rags you know prepare Slackjaw for dinner yes. <laughs> or you can save Slackjaw. And if you save Slackjaw, it's a boss fight with Granny Rags. Um, as it turns out, she's a very powerful witch. Um, and she's immortal in a sense that you, know, you can put her to sleep, you can stab her to death, she'll keep coming back. And it's a challenge because while she's there, she can summon endless hordes of rats oh, yeah. to, a, to attack you. And so the challenge is, in her bed, she keeps this little, this little charm, this little amulet, whatever it is. And that is where her soul is sealed away. So as long as that object remains intact, she can't be killed. And so you're to defeat Granny Rags, you have to get this charm, and you have to throw it into a furnace. Where conveniently, there's a furnace in her bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and I think the furnace was just there, and she built her bedroom, you know, there. But You know, it reminded me of those, like, witch stories with, like, witches who, like, cook children or whatever yep it's like hansel and gretel <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and the furnace is like right there in her bedroom well, for convenience <laughs> i think that's the inspiration for granny rags or at least part like the hansel and gretel type witch figure you know mm-hmm. think if you think like the witch in hansel and gretel you'll go a long way towards understanding granny rags <laughs> <laughs> and so conveniently there's a furnace right there in her bedroom yeah. but it's, it's difficult because like she's continually summoning these rats to attack you oh it was such a stressful fight 
It was. Because <laughs> you're constantly losing health because of the rats. And you, if you stand there and fight them, it does you no good because they just keep coming. Because usually when a swarm of rats attacks you, you can, you know, if you fight the rats long enough, they'll go away. But in this fight, they just keep coming. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to kind of keep moving. Um, so, but if you manage to throw the amulet into the furnace, that will kill her for good. And then uh, you release like John. He gives you some money and he gives you the key you need to get out of the... Either he gives it to her or you find it. On or you can pickpocket it from Granny Rags. One way or another, you find it. You get the key. And Slackjaw gives you some money and maybe some elixir if you help him. And then from that point, you kind of you have to kind of fight your way through the sewer. Um, but then, even after that, you have to do some more things because there's like a an arc gate, an electric arc gate kind of safeguarding the way to and from the flooded district. So you have to get around that. Mm -hmm. And there are guards and there are tall boys kind of guarding the way. So once you get past all this and get through the sewer, you finally make your way back to the Hound's Pit Pub. And you learn some pretty shocking things that have taken place there. Um, you get there and you find out, basically, Samuel flew the coop. Uh, he had enough sense to realize that he was a loose end and they would have him killed if he stuck around. So he left. But the other ones weren't so smart. Uh, like a lot of the other people who were there who've helped you out. Uh, they're basically lined up and shot. Uh, I think one, one girl manages to sneak away and she lets you use her kind of hidden apartment to kind of hide out in gives you a key to it. But yeah, aside from her, uh, everybody's lined up and shot. Um, except, and Sokolov and Perot managed to get away as well. They're holed up in their little lab. Yeah. And the whole place is is teeming with, you know, City Watch and Tall Boys and things like that. And so you can deal with those in one or two ways. Uh, you have the option to help Sokolov and Perot. And if you do that, they become best buds and eventually work together to find a cure for the plague. And so that's what I did. Um, and as part of that, they have their own sort of security device that if you activate it, it will send this massive electric signal that will kill all of the enemies on the premises. And so you do that and all the enemies are gone and then they're best buds. Well, you can kill them or put them to sleep. That's right. You can configure it one of two ways. You can stun them all or kill them all. And that, that's based on your preference. The mission turns out the same either way. Uh, but if you kill everybody, of course, it's going to increase the chaos level. So that's really the only reason to choose one or the other. Um, of course, at this point in the game, my chaos is... There's a certain point after which it's perpetually on high chaos, no matter what you do. <laughs> it's like the rats um, are taking over the city. Everybody's dead. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, higher chaos means more rats and stuff like that. Mm. So yeah, so at this point in the game, I was already hopelessly on high chaos. So I just said, <laughs> kill them all. Yeah. Um, so that's what happens. And then Pro actually is like, oh man, this is destruction on a mass scale. We're so proud of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> It's the sort of mad scientist type, you know. Yeah. So you do that and you establish your control over the Hound's Pit Pub. And then you, you come to find out that the three big conspirators are Martin, who is now the high overseer. Pendleton, who is now, I think, the head of parliament. Uh, the head of parliament is called the prime minister. And he sort of like just presides over parliament or she. Um, and then the new acting Lord Regent is da -da 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 -da, Admiral Havelock. <laughs> How <laughs> no, surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah. And so the last mission in the game, you they're basically all holed up in this lighthouse and they've all turned on each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've all surprisingly turned against each other. It's like karma. Yeah. No, they, they reap what they sow. So your final mission is to just Basically, your mission is to go in and rescue Emily. They've got Emily holed up in this lighthouse with them. And so your your mission is to rescue Emily and to deal with Havelock. And you have the option of dealing with Martin and Pendleton, too. So you can kill Martin or not. Um, 
Pendleton will die either way. Uh, he'll, he'll probably die before you get to him. Or like when you get to him, he'll say, you know, it's too late for me. I've been shot. Um, so he'll just like rant for a little bit and he'll die without <laughs> you needing to do anything. Um, Martin will probably, Martin could easily die in this big fight you can have with the, cause he, there's all sorts of guards around where they are and where they're arguing with each other. So he, he's liable to die in the fighting. Um, doesn't Martin also try to shoot himself? I, yeah, I mean, if, assuming he doesn't die in the fight, then he's, you know, obviously he's, everything's falling apart and he knows that he'll be, it's only a matter of time before he's arrested and executed. So you can let him kill himself if you want, um, I think. Or you can kill him. Yeah, <laughs> no. whichever. And if you let him kill himself, it doesn't raise the chaos level. But if you actually kill him, it does. Uh, well, even though the outcome is the same, um, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but, and if you just let, similarly, if you just let Pendleton die, of his gunshot wound, it doesn't raise the chaos level. But if you actually kill him, it does. Literally unplayable. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> and so then after that, you have to make your way through this highly fortified lighthouse and find Havelock, who has Emily. Um, and so how that ultimately you know plays out, it, when I played it through, he he's basically standing on this ledge with Emily, and when he sees you, he he take he pulls her close, you know, holds a gun to her head yeah. and says, you know, don't come any closer or I'll shoot her yeah. or either that or I'll fall backwards off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you want to save Emily, I think this is the high chaos outcome. If you want to save Emily, you have to somehow disable Havelock mm-hmm. uh, before you get too close. So I usually just shoot him with like a sleep dart. And he falls backwards to his death. Uh-huh. And then you rescue Emily. Um, and on, if it's the high chaos ending, she'll say, did you kill them all? Well, that's okay. I would have had them assassinated anyway, because I'm going to be in pursuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she turns dark, man. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, or you can let her fall to her death, in which case the outsider kind of taunts you for it a little bit. Because <laughs> the, the, the outsider sort of narrates the ending, and you kind of see the aftermath of the things that you've done. And the um, outsider's like, I know you let her fall to her death, but it's still not as bad as that one time Richard Peelbeam lost a recording of a podcast. That was the worst. <laughs> that was the worst thing ever, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. Um, and that's ba- and once you, do, once you complete that mission, that's the end of the main game. Uh, and you kind of, the outsider sort of tells you what all's happened based on what you did. If Emily dies, then the outsider comments on that. If she lives, but it's high chaos, then he sort of says, you know, things turn out kind of bleakly. Um, it eventually shows Emily standing over Corvo's grave. And she's like, he's like, you know, she became empress at a time that wasn't kind to little girls or empresses, but she'll remember you were there, Corvo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? It's <laughs> like, okay. But if you do the lower chaos, then things are a bit, you know, the, the the two scientists will find a cure for the plague, and Emily's reign will be you know happier and more prosperous, and you know, so things get really dark if it's high chaos, but less so if it's low chaos. Um, and I I suspect that the official canon ending is low chaos yeah. because it seems to be that way going into Dishonored too. Um, but that's another story. So yeah, you can do all sorts of things, and that's basically Dishonored in in a hopefully comprehensible nutshell. <laughs> Woo! Good job, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I hope that made sense. I really do, because oh. we're just kind of... <laughs> no, that was, that was awesome. And I think next time we could talk about the DLC. That kind of sets the foundation for later games, especially Death of the Outsider, which is much yeah. later. And Delilah... Um, does Delilah show up in the DLC? Yes, she does. Yeah, that's the she, whole doubt obsession. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's the main villain of both DLCs, right, really. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, have, you fight her at the end of the second one. Okay, perfect. So, yeah. 
You, you can kill her or not, but ultimately it doesn't matter for purposes of later games. So, but, uh, you know. we have our next podcast. It's going to be Doubt, Billy, and Delilah. You know, 3Ds? Oh, no, DBD. DBD. <laughs> 3Ds. <laughs> it's like, listen, Nick is a lawyer. He's not an alphabet professional. That's right. I don't know my alphabet. A, B, D, C, E, F, Z. All right. Well, I guess that's it for today. Thank you so much, Nick. Oh, anytime. I, I, thank you so much for having me. It was really a blast, and I'm always honored to be asked, you know, to do this. So. Are you honored or dishonored? Oh, for, oh today I'm dishonored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored to talk about dishonored. <laughs> awesome. All right. And you have a YouTube channel where you do a lot of cool boss fights. Oh, yes. It's called Cinder Thief with a Y. C-Y-N-D-E-R Thief. Yeah. Um, Nick is a lawyer. He's not a spelling professional either. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that Cinder is C-I-N-D-E-R. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but really, that that's because uh, there wasn't a unique Gmail account with Cinder Thief with an I, so I just changed it to a Y to, <laughs> <laughs> to make it unique. But yeah, um, the inspiration for... The, yeah, no. Uh, it was, What's uh, the inspiration for that? The inspiration for the name... You know when you, in the boss fight in Dark Souls 3 when you fight Lorian and Lothric and he calls you a purloiner of Cinders? Yes. So that's that's basically inspiration. He's he kind of mocks you and says, "Oh, Ashen One, purloiner of cinders, as in stealer of cinders, stealer as in cinder thief." <laughs> oh, that is clever. So that was the inspiration for that. So anyway, not the cleverest name, but <laughs> very you know, creative. <laughs> awesome, and I'll link that in the description so everyone check it out and sub. And again, thank you so much. Thank you so much, and yeah, we'll do this again soon. Can't wait! Woohoo!